our text for this Sunday uh, are really quite interesting. They're a juxtaposition of opposites. The first one deals with God's relating to his children, trying, trying to call them, and he realizes that his children are very ungrateful and unresponsive to him. The second passage from the psalm is God's children are very much aware of how wonderful their God is and how God has delivered them. So this is why I want you to be seated for the first one, lest you be counted as those who are ungrateful. And then the second one from the psalm, I'll have you stand and we read responsibly because then you can identify with those who, who acknowledge that God is great and God has delivered us and you want to give him praise. So if you got that straight, we'll, we'll start. It's, it's hard to get everybody under control. <laughs> God is speaking. I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not, did not call on my name. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. A people who provoke me with to my face continually, sacrifices, sacrificing in gardens and offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh with broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. See, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps their iniquities and their ancestors' iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they offered incense on the mountains and reviled me on the hills, I will, me I will measure into their laps full payment for their actions. And then there's the other side. God is very sorrowful, even angry, and the bottom line is always God's grace. Thus says the Lord, as the wine is found in the cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it, so I will do for my servant's sake, and not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob, and from Judah, inheritors of my mountains. My chosen shall inherit it, and my servants shall settle there. The word of our Lord. Now for your response as grateful children. We'll do it responsibly. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. Deliver my soul from the sword. Save me from the mouth of the lion. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. For he did not despise or abhor the afflicted, affliction of the afflicted. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord, and your hearts 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. For dominion belongs to the Lord. The word of our Lord. Thank you for remaining standing. This is the gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on a hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herders saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of our Lord. Well, I'm not sure if, if zombies is completely correct, Brian, um, but it is a text that is difficult to understand. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. About a month ago, a small group gathered in our adult forum room and we put together these fantastic homeless care kits. In these care kits, we have things like socks and water bottles, granola bars, toothbrushes, hygiene products, and even Subway gift cards. And they were made with the intention that if you see someone standing along the side of the road asking for help, You have something practical to give them. Thanks to some of our choir members for this suggestion. We we still have them, by the way. If you need them, talk to me. When we finished our service project, I grabbed two and put them in my car. And I was excited to have something to give to people when I see them calling out in need. 
However, I don't have a very long commute. Some of you might know that. And so... <sighs> Um, it's not very frequently that I see someone on my way to work who's asking for help. It, it takes a little time. Um, but about a week ago, we were headed downtown for a, an event, and I thought, ha ha! At long last, I get to use my care kit. We were going to the LSS uh, building for the iftar meal, and so I primed my kids. I said, get the care kit out, and so they put it on their lap, and we sat in anticipation. I mean, how often do you drive and look and say, oh, I hope there's someone I can see on the corner today so I can give them something? But that's what we were doing in our car that particular day, and we saw someone before I anticipated it over by Lake Calhoun, and so I said to my husband, there's someone, get over three lanes, we gotta help them. He didn't listen. Surprise, surprise. It was rush hour traffic, I do understand, and I said to the girls, don't worry, there's almost always someone at the corner of Hennepin and Lake, but when we got there, there wasn't anybody there. And so we kept looking and waiting, and we ended up arriving at our destination, care kit still in hand and in car, much to our disappointment. My daughter, Lily, said, well, there just must not be anyone who needs help tonight. This could be a good thing. And I wished she was correct. But unfortunately, we all know too well that on any given night, there are far too many people who are living on our streets. In fact, there's over a half a million homeless people in the United States today. And once again, in our gospel, we encounter one of these individuals who know is not a zombie, but a real man. A man who is living on the edge of town, and while he is not holding up a sign asking for help, nevertheless, we know that he needs it. He is among the chronically homeless people who is struggling just to get by. The community that lives next to him cannot remember a time when this man had a house. And so he lives on the edge, naked and wild and out of his mind, calling out to anyone who comes near, what are you to do with me? Leave me alone. Leave me alone, he bellows if anyone comes near, and this community at large is happy to do so. He can live over there, far away from us and our families. That's just fine. They're happy to respect his wishes, and they leave him alone. And if he comes too close, they chain him up and keep him far, far away. And for the most part, they just allow him to live out there, unseen and unheard, left alone. As I said, there's a half a million people who are homeless in the United States today, and of the people who are chronically homeless, which would be the people who are homeless for more than a year, one-third to one-half are estimated to suffer with mental illness of some sort, from schizophrenia, mood, or behavior disorders. A couple years ago, a small group of us here at Shepherd read a book entitled Crazy, A Father's Search Through, the, through America's Mental Health Madness, which is written by journalist Pete Early. 
And the story digs into it, both from a journalistic perspective, looking at mental illness in the United States and our healthcare system, but also tracking a personal story. So why are there so many mentally ill people living on our streets, you might wonder? Well, since the 1970s, when our large mental health institutions and hospitals were closed because people didn't like the level of care, we never replaced that system with something better. And these individuals have fallen through the cracks and have become homeless oftentimes. Early wrote this book because his son, um, Mike, I keep wanting to call him Matthew in my head, Mike suffered a mental breakdown when he was in his mid-20s. When this happened, his family rushed to his side. They got him the medical help he needed. They figured, it, figured out some medication, and he was restored to his life in some capacity. But the entire family lived on edge for a while. And they weren't surprised when they received the phone call from Mike having delusions once again. Mike telling him he had quit taking his medication because all medication is poison, and he wasn't ever going to take it again. So Pete rushed to his son's side, and he did what anybody does for their loved ones when they are sick. He took them to a hospital. They went to the ER, and they were put in a room where they sat for four hours waiting for medical attention to be given to his son, only for a doctor to finally come in and say, there is nothing we can do for your son. He is 18 years old, a legal adult, and if he doesn't want to take his medicine... We will not make him, and we cannot make him. Pete says, I said to the doctor, but he could hurt himself or hurt someone else. And then the doctor responded, Maybe you can hope that he will commit a crime, and the police will be called, and he will be arrested. And then he will be put into treatment. Now, if this is surprising to you, it shouldn't be because many of our prisons and jails are filled with people who are mentally ill, and this is often the only way they can receive help. They left that day sad and in despair, and the next day, Pete tried again with his son, begging him to take his medicine, and his son responded, get out of my life and leave me alone. And Pete said, what do you want me to do? I am your father. Am I supposed to stand back and let you wander the streets like a crazy person? And Mike said, get out of my life. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. That's what the man on the Sea of Galilee, the shores of the Sea of Galilee, says to Jesus when he arrived. And I wonder how many times he said it to other people. I wonder how many times he said it to his parents when he started to first hear those voices. Leave me alone. I don't want your help. I can do this on my own. Did he say it to his friends when they noticed that he was withdrawing from their community? Did he say it to his siblings? Leave me alone. You don't understand what I'm going through. Did he say it to his doctors? Leave me alone. And eventually, everyone gives him what he wants. He is left alone. That is, until one day, when Jesus shows up on the shores of the Gerasene and he sees this man who says what he says to everyone, what are you to do with me? Leave me alone. And Jesus sees beyond his cries, 
He sees his need and he refuses to leave him alone. He sees this man fully and he approaches him, ignoring his requests, and he says, what is your name? Jesus enters relationship with this man who is broken and lost. And when the man cannot even answer for himself, but the demons within say, legion, Jesus still stays by his side. And what we can't understand or explain in our own way today, all we know in the end is that Jesus heals this man completely. And when we see him again in the gospel text, he sits at Jesus' feet No longer wild and out of control, but calm and in composure. No longer naked, but clothed and completely in his right mind. We always think when people are in pain and they tell us to leave them alone, that maybe that's what we should do, is just respect their wishes. But Jesus shows us that healing comes through the presence of other human beings who dare to remain close by someone's side when they push us away. Jesus shows us that it is in our relationships and our care and love for each other that healing can take place. And that healing, most of all, comes through Jesus and God himself. See, our story today really is not just about those who are chronically homeless and mentally ill, but I think it is actually a story for all of us. I mean, I would guess that you would know at least one person who is struggling with anxiety or depression, or perhaps you yourself are doing so. Or maybe there's some days that you just want to pull away, especially when you're feeling bad. You might even cry out, leave me alone. But what I want you to know today is this, that Jesus hears your cries and the cries of those you love. Jesus sees those days when you can't get out of bed because the darkness overwhelms you and sits alongside of you. Jesus is present with you on those nights where you can't get to sleep because your head keeps racing with anxiety. And when you say, leave me alone, Jesus promises that he will always, always be there. In the end, Peter, early son, does get the help that he needs. It is a long and hard journey for their family. He eventually is able to hold down a job and figure out his medication. And when Pete goes to write this book, it is with his son's blessing, saying, if you can help even one person, then you should tell my story and tell its truth. Early concludes by saying this, Mental illness is a cruel disease. No one knows whom it might strike or why. There is no known cure. It lasts forever. My son Mike has it, and because he is sick, he will always be dancing on the edge of a cliff. I cannot keep him from falling. All I can do is stand next to him on that cliff, always ready to extend my hand. All I can do is promise that I will never abandon him. That is God's promise to us. You will never be abandoned. 
God will stand with you on the edge of the cliff and God will go with you into the community when you're ready and willing to go. God will be with you in your praising and your lamenting. Our God loves you fully and completely and will never leave you alone. Amen.